Welcome to Leading with Hope, a podcast for leaders and volunteers of Living Hope, helping you lead like Jesus envisions. Well, hey, Colin. Hi, Kirk. How's it going? I am doing. I'm doing well. <laughs> You're doing well. Yeah, it's a it's a short week. Looking forward to Global Leadership Summit and doing well. Is there any speaker in the Global Leadership Summit that you are looking forward to more than any other? Um, I don't think so. I think uh, as a whole, I the idea of lifelong learning and just coming under some tutelage that I wouldn't have otherwise, that's just kind of what it always excites me about Global Leadership Summit is just kind of the 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 multi-pronged approach to leadership that yeah. is discussed. It's not just, oh, you know, my favorite, like, Lencioni is going to be there. And he's my favorite. And I just love reading all it. No, it's 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 the it's the people that I usually don't expect or I don't even yeah. think are going to be the best speaker. They end up just surprising. So yeah, I love uh, Danielle Strickland. Okay, I think she's one of uh, one of the best speakers in North America today. Oh wow! And she's Canadian, so <laughs> uh, you know I'm looking forward to her. And actually, I, I've been there because this is a rebroadcast of mm-hmm. what Britain and I were at in August. And so actually, I know all this, all the all of them. You know the content. I know the content, and uh, so I'm looking forward to. You know, I like this so much that I watch these things more than once. Yeah, uh, because there is just so much actionable content there, and uh, you know, I I've been going now for over a decade, and uh, I know some of our listeners have not gone to the Global Leadership Summit, mm-hmm. and uh, this is two days of Christ-centered, world-class leadership development. And, yeah, and, uh, you know, I can't speak highly of it enough. I mean, I had come away with something every single year. Yeah, and instead of like you know, going to a major conference, it's being delivered right at our front door. That's right. So, And I know some people have convinced their bosses, including in the government sector. Yeah. I know someone that's coming tomorrow uh, and they were coming from the government sector and they got their professional development uh, allowance in the government sector to pay for this. So it is possible and we shouldn't kind of write it off. Yeah. You know, because a hundred bucks really, that's the early bird rate for the church. And a hundred bucks is really nothing when it comes to professional development. Yeah. And we can always, I don't think any of us can say we've arrived as a leader. We know the best way of doing every system. So to just get this opportunity. Anyways, I think we're getting a little (laughs) sidetracked. Before we we go to the service, let me just give one one more more plug for the Global Leadership Summit. Because, um, you know, this is going to air too late for people to come. It's true. But it's not too late for the next one. And yep. we're moving it. So it, it is always done in August, mm-hmm. the first week or so in August. And it's live from Chicago to hundreds of sites. Now we are going to become a live site hosting it in, in, in August from Chicago to here, simulcast on August 6th and 7th. And so, you know what, for everybody that's listening who's like had their whistle wet by us talking about it or me yep. shamelessly plugging this thing yep, not a that problem. I love so much, uh, they can put in their calendar and begin to work on their bosses for that professional development. And it doesn't only help you in your work, it helps you as a follower of Christ as well because there's yeah. been things that have just stirred in my heart that have changed the way that I live and lead as a Christ follower. So anyways, enough shameless plugging. Let's get to the sermon. Let's get to the sermon. And I think, you know, this is an appropriate segue. 
talking about leaders in the Bible, and we're going to be, uh, you're going to kind of be leading us back into the lives of Saul and David again. I know we've already kind of been there one time, but there's so much interaction. And we're talking about fear. You're talking about fear this week. So yeah. uh, what is like the, the big idea that uh, we're, we're looking back into Saul's life and into David's life once again? So what's the big idea for this sermon this week? Yeah, so the big idea is that we have to take our fears to God instead of taking them in our own hands. I think too often we have fears that are lying underneath the surface of who we are and we just deal with them. We take them into our own hands instead of actually taking them to God and letting him rip them out of us and change the way we are. And uh, if we take them into our own hands, like Saul and David, who we're going to talk about, we're going to find ourselves continually bumping up against things in our lives that we don't know where it came from, but we're not happy with what happened. And this isn't like, this is this is a sermon, it's not a psychological talk. So <laughs> I think maybe maybe we should address what are the fears? Because I'm thinking agoraphobia, you know, being yeah. scared of going outside or uh, scared of insects, spiders, arachnophobia, um, <laughs> uh, hydrophobia, which is, you know, fear of water, which is something I have a little bit. There's, there's times Christy will go to a lake and I'll just stand in the water, like oh. only up to my shins before I like fully dive in. You know how tempted I am right now? Right now to take my water bottle and throw water on okay me. it's not quite like that it's <laughs> i you know i it's not to that extreme where you you know I, I i fear like bottles of water no it's big bodies of water that i'm scared of uh anyways it's still a thought that's going through my head oh great <laughs> don't ruin the recording equipment that's all i, I beg you okay so fears this is not a psychological no. talk so these, these are the fears that we have they, they really could be a wide range of fears it's mm-hmm. not it's not water yes fear, no uh, or my fear of bees this is not what we're talking about we're talking about the deep-seated fears within us for example someone who lost a parent as a child mm-hmm. could yep. very much have a fear of abandonment yeah or a fear of death Hmm. And that could drive you. If you, you know, uh, you could have a fear of um, of being controlled. You could have, like, I don't, there's so many fears that it's hard to give you a list of it. Yeah. But it is the fears that we have of things that we just have an inner, irrational fear of it. And a lot of times this lies beneath the surface yeah. of what's going on. The fear of rejection. So they're like motivating or improper motivations for how we live our lives That's and right. just kind of bringing those sort of like the fear of the world controlling us or the you know something terrible in the world that motivates how we live and we're yeah. bringing that into alignment with God the way God wants us to live and how he loves us and the peace that he brings. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I think in in my own life I've had a fear of rejection. I've talked about that before in yep. sermons and that that you know, I had this fear that Britain wasn't going to love me, that I mm-hmm. was going to be rejected. And where does that come from? Well, it comes from back in my childhood and that. And oftentimes yeah. we have fears that develop that we don't even know that are there. They're just under the surface of us. Yeah. So, and these are this is what we're looking at in this series is going under the surface. So coming back around to, to Saul and David again, you uh, one of the one of the statements that uh, that I've read in your sermon text may be there Sunday maybe, but it, right. it's that you desire that this week that people in groups will kind of look at Saul's life and 
and the way that he's ruled by fear. Yes. And so how his how his kingship is controlled by it, how his just his life is kind of ruled by fear and what those fears are. So do you want to like give us some quick sure. tidbit hints as leaders what what we should be looking for with our groups? For sure. I find Saul to be a fascinating person. And uh, yeah. He, you know, I think I've said this before. We often think of Saul as just this pure bad guy. Mm-hmm. But I think he is someone who just hasn't discovered the life transformation that happens when we surrender to the Spirit. No. And so that is that comparison between David and Saul as the life that's transformed by the Spirit. In fact, that's a point from my sermon. Oh, there you go. There we go. Is that Saul demonstrates a life that's transformed by fear. David yeah. demonstrates a life transformed by the Spirit. And so Saul, what do I want people to look at? Well, I think when we start looking at Saul, we have to go right to the the moment when he's uh, crowned king. And yeah. uh, that's where I started my sermon, so I won't talk a whole lot about it right now. Yeah. But it is a key element because what we find is a man who has been chosen to become king. So, you know, usually somebody brave yeah. and strong. And, and he stands ahead above everybody else. We're told in the scripture that he is more handsome than other people. Hmm. This is George Clooney. If he walked in the room right now, you and I would be like, there's a good looking man. Yep. Right? At least I would be anyway. Well, you know, he's people's choice and handsomest man of the year multiple times. So, yes. So, here we got a young George Clooney who's going to be crowned king. And when it comes time, everybody is gathered. Where is Saul? Hmm. He's hiding with the luggage. He's hiding in a storage room. Not a not a kingly act. Not a kingly act. And uh, why is this? Well, if we go back earlier in the story, we find out he's got this mantra that he says when, when Samuel tells him he's going to become king. He says, well, who am I to become king? I'm from the smallest tribe of the smallest people, blah, 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 blah. I'm nobody, is hmm. what he's saying. Yeah. And there's this fear of being rejected that goes within him. In fact, when he is crowned king, there is this very brief little... Uh, epilogue to the crowning of him as king. They take him out of the the luggage area. They crown him king. And then it says, and Saul was surrounded by all these people and they take him home. But there was uh, a small group, a few people who said, who is this person that they're going to save us? Yeah. And one of Saul's things was to rescue the people of Israel from the Philistines. And I think that took root in Saul's heart. And uh, so he feels this, he has this need to be wanted. He has this fear of being rejected throughout all of it. And this begins to shape his life. We'll talk about the battles where he, he fears being rejected by his soldiers. And so he acts improperly and sins. And this was in one of your past sermons where, yeah. it, where it talks about the offering that he gives. Exactly. Yeah. The offering that's given hastily. Hastily, or yeah. the the battle that he he goes into where he's supposed to destroy everything, but because his men wanted to keep some of it, they do. So that this this is fear. We keep going forward. We find that when Samuel dies, that he is just so confused and upset and doesn't know what to do. That what does he do? Instead of turning to God, he turns to a medium mm-hmm. who then has a seance to bring Saul Samuel back from the dead so that he can hear. It's all motivated by fear because he doesn't know what yeah. to do. We see all of the interactions with David are really motivated by fear. He throws, a, he throws a spear at David. Why? Because they said Saul has killed his thousands, but David's killed his tens of thousands. And he's afraid that David's going to take his crown. Yeah, and back to that root fear of like, yeah. you know, like, that you, you had mentioned just that, you know, that people, that 
who am I yeah. statement that is throughout it all. Yeah, so. and he fears being rejected. And then we move forward even more. He chases David into the wilderness, and there is this almost a civil war, as it were, because you have yeah. all of these people who are, keep gathering around David, and then you have Saul who's in, in power, and mm-hmm. there was this back and forth throughout Samuel. It's, it, it does become a civil war after Samuel dies because there isn't a smooth transition. Yeah. I think that all of those years that David lived in the wilderness were because Saul was so consumed with fear of being rejected that even though he knew that David was to be king, okay, this was yeah. not a secret. This was something that was obvious. This is why he throws a spear. This is why he gets after Jonathan. You know, because he knows that David's going to be king. Yeah. And instead of having a a smooth transition to the next generation of kings, he holds on to power, he holds on to position, and what ensues is a bumpy transition that ends with civil war uh, as David becomes king, but then Saul's other son tries to be king at the same time. It's just as a disaster. Mm. And I think there's... I mean, you think about succession, right? And some of our listeners are going to be people that are getting to that point where they're in succession planning. Yeah. And fear of not being significant, of not being able to contribute, of not being something. Yeah. Is going to cause some people to hold on to power much longer than maybe God intends. And I think that's ultimately what happened with Saul, is that because of fear, he holds on to power longer than God intended for him. But God's will will not be forever thwarted. No, we only have a limited time. So if yeah. our fear controls us for a whole life and we, you know, we stand opposed to God in that. So, if, so, so sorry, just one last yeah, thought. No, and, one last sorry, thought. Go for it. Um, so for our group leaders, if they're really going to lean in and look at what Saul, uh, how he's motivated by fear, they need to begin to read now. Yeah, be prepared. Before their group session. Is it, you know, you were starting in 1 Samuel 9. Mm-hmm. don't have to go right back to the beginning of the book. You're going to read through 1 Samuel 9, and you're going to look, you know, as it gets closer to the end, it becomes more about David in the wilderness and stuff like that. But in the initial parts of it, you're going to want to read and look at Saul and the, the stories of Saul and look through it through the lens of fear mm-hmm. and ask the question of the text that you're reading. What does this tell me about fear? This is what I do when I'm preparing a sermon is I just... I just begin writing on a piece of paper, you know, 1 Samuel 9 and observations about fear. 1 Samuel 10, observations. And just go yeah. through that and make some own your own notes. And you could even, if you don't want to do this, you're, like you could do this and then kind of get your people to look at different passages. If you don't want to do that, here's some, you could give your people homework. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you could email them or if you still have your group uh, session coming up before you do the fear one, like if you're meeting today or tomorrow or something like that, and you're dealing with last Sunday's one before you deal with fear, you could say for next week, I want you to read these chapters and look at fear. And the reading plan, there's been the group reading plan at the bottom. Yeah. If you've been going through that, you've read through 1 Samuel and you're into 2 Samuel at this point, but you should be familiar a little bit with the story. It's been part of the group reading plan. If you haven't been doing that, that's at the bottom of the the group (laughs) discussion guide. Each week. Some of them are saying, what are you talking about? What Colin? is he talking about? Right. Who Just a little additive, additive on the end. So so if, if this is Saul being ruled by fear, being transformed by fear, as you said, and we want to know how God desires us to live, uh, you know, when we come into relationship with us, he transforms us, his spirit yeah. takes control. So 
how does this look different then with the Spirit transforming our yeah. lives? So when we look at David's life, it's significantly different. And I'm going to pull out three ways, what I call fear busters from David's life that uh, are our ways to deal with the fear that's in us. So whenever we experience fear, uh, what we see in David's life is he immediately turns to worship. Hmm. And there are so many Psalms that are accredited to David that are about how life sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's true. Or how he's filled with fear because life sucks. It's hard to write something beautiful when you're hiding in a yeah, cave, right? Exactly. Like, like Psalm 23, I remember preaching this last year, and uh, Psalm 23 is, um, some scholars believe he wrote this when Absalom, his son, was trying to kill him. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Hmm. Right? He leads me beside still waters. Uh, he sets a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thinking about his son who wants him dead, now suddenly there's this whole new context, right? Yeah. And so David has this habit of going to God and worshiping in the midst of fear. And when we do that, it changes us, right? Because we find, you know, we feel fear because we feel all alone. Mm-hmm. And like that we can't deal with what's happening. When Britain was, was going, you know, when we were in the heat of cancer and uh, I felt fear, I started to just sing songs. And uh, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing in your love was one of the songs that I played every single morning. Why? Oh, wow. So that I would not be in fear. Because yeah. fear, fear wants to isolate us. It cuts us off from other people. When we begin to worship God, and I worship through singing. That's kind of my connecting point, right? Um, everybody has a different way of connecting with God. Mine is worship through song. Um, when I begin to do that, it says we enter his courts with praise and thanksgiving. And so there is this yeah. image that, that comes to my mind that when I begin to worship, whether it is through prayer, whether it is through going through a walk in nature, whether it is just talking with him out loud, whatever it is, um, singing, I enter into his courts with praise and thanksgiving. And then I'm not alone. Yeah. Right? Because I recognize, I mean, the truth is I was never alone. Yes, that is the truth you're tying into. Yeah, but my, my, my worship helps me to realize I'm not alone. Yeah. And so David begins by worshiping God. And you, as you read these Psalms, all of a sudden it goes from, oh, woe is me, the world is falling apart, to I know you're God. Yeah. And that's an amazing thing. And then the second thing we do is act in love. And yeah. we see this in David is that just the number of times that he acts in love towards Saul, even though Saul wants him dead. Yeah, like the rule that really ruled him in the caves when, you know, society would say this is his opportunity yeah. to claim the kingship, to claim the throne. Saul's right there. God delivered him to him, but he knows that God has delivered something else. That's right. Not, yeah. yeah, he just keeps acting in love. And there's a verse in First John uh, 4.18, I believe, and it says that perfect love casts out all fear. Yeah. And when we act in love... You know, this is this is expelling all fear. The truth is that when we act in love, you know, if you're filled with fear, um, fear is the opposite of being in the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Okay, because again, as I said, fear cuts us off. It destroys our relationship with God. But when we act in love, First uh, John in the verses before that says that God is love. Anyone who loves is born of Him. Yeah. So if we don't act in love, we are not of God. If we are in the midst of fear and we feel all alone and we act in love, we experience his presence in our life. 
And this is why perfect love casts out all fear, because we experience his presence as we begin to love others in the midst of our fear. Yeah. And then he pushes that fear out of the way and we're replaced with his presence. And so acting of love is so important. I think David experienced more of God's presence because he acted in love to Saul. Yeah, and evidence throughout his life. And I think sometimes... Uh, the reality of fear is that we fear the unknown. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure everyone can pick a house in their their neighborhood that you maybe you don't know the people in it. Yeah, uh, you don't know what goes on in there, and so maybe your imagination has taken your mind into places where you're you're a little bit scared of maybe the people there. Yeah, but it's that idea of once somebody's known, you can love them because there's that relationship and. You know, God is beyond us, but he wants to be known and he provides that for us and provides that opportunity to experience his love and then to take that into other relationships. Yeah. And then the last way that that I'll talk about on Sunday as well is just surround yourself. Um, You need to surround yourself with people who don't share your fear. Yeah. (laughs) Right. David, when I look at his life, he had mighty warriors that surrounded him. There's a whole chapter just listing these mighty warriors in the Bible and telling about all these things. I mean, it's like, it doesn't, if I look at the overarching uh, plot of 2 Samuel or of Kings, it doesn't seem to move the plot forward in my mind to suddenly begin to list all these people and -and so-and-so was so-and-so and and -and so-and-so was the group of three and this person went down into a pit on a snowy day with a lion. I'm like, what? So what? Who so cares? what? Let's just keep moving forward with the David. He's the main character, right? Yeah. yeah. But as I look at it, I see David surrounded himself with where, with people who were incredibly fearless hmm. in certain areas. And I think that this emboldened David, right? Yeah. Because one of the fears, one of the things fear does to us is it, it stops us from acting. Yeah. People will often not do the right thing or will not do anything. When they feel fear. Yeah. So David, there's a story, and I'll talk about this on Sunday, is there's a story that he wants a drink from the the the, uh, the well in Bethlehem. He just wants that, right? Yep. Well, David's this mighty warrior. Why doesn't he just go do it, right? Yep. Three of his guys go in under darkness, and they bring back a glass of water for David. Wow. And so they do what he couldn't do, right? Yeah. And, uh, and there's other stories like that. So I think David surrounded himself with people who didn't have fear in the area that he had fear so that he could be emboldened by them, but also so that he could embolden them. Yeah, just that, that mutual sharpening. You know, in Hebrews it talks about the, the, the crowd of witnesses around us and yeah. just, you know, encouraging exactly. and spurring one another on. I think, yeah, that's that's a wonderful thing. I like a light bulb moment. No one can see my face, but like when Kirk <laughs> said, like people... Um, fear like you know it paralyzes us from acting just I I see that as such a a truth in in our society that when we fear somebody else because we don't know them well we fear helping them or supporting them or you know where we just we become paralyzed by it but God is a God of peace yeah and a God of love and that should motivate us into it's, it's very like Fear is very anti-God because God, you know, Jesus tells us to go. Yeah. He's, he's very much like, let's let's get let's get going. Let's do this. You're my hands and feet. So you got to be in movement. Yeah. But fear is just like, just stand still. Don't yeah. do anything. That's right. So, yeah. Yeah. So there, here's a, you know, I, I don't know if I've 
said this already so on this podcast so if I did maybe we'll edit it out um, but uh, you know I have been we've talked about fear of God mm-hmm. and somebody's probably listening to us talk about fear and they're thinking well you have to have the fear of God fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom I mean that's Proverbs right right it's true I have this thought that I've been percolating with and and uh, you know I'm not willing to stake my life on it and everything like that, you know, but it's been something that has been percolating in my mind is that it says the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. And then in 1 John, it says that perfect love casts out all fear. Hmm. And in my own mind, as I think about this, I wonder if the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom and understanding of God, right? We come to him in fear, recognizing who he is and who we are and wanting to know him still. Because yeah. there is this love that we see within him, recognizing that he is completely different and they, that he loves us even though we are not worthy of it. And we want to be in where he is, in his presence. And we move forward, we come to him in fear and move forward to him because of his love. And then perfect love comes along and casts out all fear. And what is left now yeah. is just God's love for us. And I wonder if there's this transition from... I'm afraid of God to I am perfectly at home with God Hmm. as we move from the fear of God to perfect love casting out all fear. Wow. I don't know. Yep. I've not read that anywhere. And if I'm being heretical, you know, send an email to Colin at mylivinghope.ca. I'll I'll for those. And we can leave that in because I haven't heard Kirk say this before. So that won't get edited out. There we go. So anyways, well, hey, this is... uh, I think that's about it. We'll save the rest for the sermon. I think that's a great idea. One last plug, though, uh, for shameless plug for something. Okay. And that is for soul care in midweek. Yes. If your groups have something that uh, they've been talking about a lot, or you have somebody who's really wrestled with certain topic, send them to midweek. Mm-hmm. 6.45, Wednesday night. Uh, we're going to go through Rob Reamer's book called Soul Care. And there'll be a brief teaching from me. There'll be time and triads to actually process what's going on. And this is where if you've got people in your group that want to go deeper into these topics, this is the place to come. Soul care is not something you drop in and out of. So you come, you're in. Commit to it. Yeah. And so this starts next Wednesday, the 23rd. Yes. And uh, so make sure that if you, you know, talk about it with your group. If your group wants to go through soul care, uh, as a group, come and talk to us. We do have some small group resources yes. that we can make available, but we are going to be very controlling of what that looks like because I don't want you doing it over a 12-month period. It is best done in a confined space and according to certain standards. Otherwise, it's just not worthwhile and yeah. we don't want people to just kind of check a box and say, I went through soul care. We want people to experience life change through soul care. Yeah. So, but we, that's a, an option. If you have a group, we have a curriculum with Rob teaching it. We would want your group to read the book as well as take the teaching and then spend time in triads. So it is, there are some parameters to it. But anyways, Sounds that's it. Good. That's all I got. That's good. Thanks. Have a good day. Bye.